we're going to look at uh, what does it mean to permit the little children to come to me? And you say, well, now wait there. <laughs> what is this? Luke 18, verses 15 through 17 is a passage about the kingdom of God. And uh, we want to look at this this morning just because it, uh, it, I think it has an important principle that we just saw portrayed here um, as uh, Atlas was baptized. And it's something that I think the text uh, speaks to. Not this text is not speaking about baptism, but it is talking about bringing your children to Jesus. And so we're going to be looking at Luke 18, and verse, beginning with verse 15 and uh, through 18. Hear these words of uh, Christ from uh, the Gospels. Uh, he's in his last three months of ministry here. Uh, in, uh, he did those, uh, uh, those last three months in, in a place called Perea. And the reason he did that is because uh, he was under a lot of, a lot of uh, pressure uh, to get out of town. And the reason being is that the Jews were very jealous of Jesus because the people were believing in him. And uh, you can imagine uh, the religious leaders thinking that they're going to lose control. And so this particular text is, is, uh, is, is, is important because it also shows you how easy it is for us to think that we understand the gospel and we don't. You know, to think that we have it all together. And so this text kind of puts us all in place because Jesus says something here in this text that I think is real important. Now... Notice verse 15. Now they were beginning even uh, bringing even infants, and that word is infants, by the way. It's not just children. It's actually, uh, we'll look at this word briefly in another text. Even infants to him that he might touch them. And uh, Mark and uh, Matthew say, to, and also pray for them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them, speaking of the disciples, to him saying, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, I think it's a powerful, that, those last words are pretty powerful, but um, we'll, we want to look at this text because we, what does it mean, let the little children come to me? And we'll, uh, we'll look at this briefly this morning as we uh, reflect on this text. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word and thank you for uh, bringing clarity and, and even, uh, Father, instruction to us. Sometimes we think as adults we have everything uh, together. And so often, Lord, we need to be reminded that we are too like little children uh, who need to come as uh, without uh, anything except uh, receiving that which you have for us. And so we ask that you would minister to our hearts and uh, to each one here this morning. Lord, you know each need in each life. You know each burden. You need, know each trial. You know each struggle. Uh, you know the difficulty it is, Father, uh, trying to raise our children in a world that's gone mad after its uh, idolatry and after its, uh, uh, its uh, idols of fame and fortune. And so, Father, grant us the grace that we might understand what it means to be children of the living God. And we pray this in His name and for His sake. Amen. Um, so this text is, a, is an important text because Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God. And uh, when, when he teaches about the kingdom of God, think of the kingdom of God as shorthand for salvation. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about the kingdom of God being... He's, it's, he, remember, he says the kingdom of God is in your midst. So when Jesus came, he said, I bring the kingdom of God. I'm the king. 
and uh, those who receive me, then they bow the knee to me and uh, they believe in me. And so that's what these parents are apparently doing as they come to Jesus. And uh, they're bringing their children there. And, uh, and as they're bringing the children, uh, the, if you could kind of picture it, is that these, these, these parents are coming through this door. And, uh, and let's just say Jesus is standing here. And they're crowding through the door. And they're wanting to bring the children to Jesus to sit on his lap for Jesus to actually pray for them and to bless them. And so, so the disciples are a little bit beside themselves because they've been arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, Matthew 18. Uh, in fact, they get into a big argument and a fight because they think, well, wait there. If Jesus is king and Jesus has a kingdom, what does that make us? I mean, if you've been, um, I mean, think about it. If you're a politician, and, or not, you're not the politician, but you're working for a politician who you think is going to become president or governor, and you're really working hard, what are you thinking? Well, if he gets in, I might get a position, right? I might get a seat of honor. I might get a, a place of recognition. And that's what the disciples are thinking here. They're, not, they're, they're thinking, Jesus is king. Jesus is promising these things as a king. And we know, and we, and they, of course, they think that he's a political king, not just a religious king, but they're thinking political. They're thinking very political. In fact, they're thinking rank, riches, and, um, you know, whatever honors might come with being associated with Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of what they're thinking here. As, so, so here they are, and they kind of are operating, if you can think of it, I mean, Jesus gives us a picture of the disciples and their failure. And I, I'm glad he does that because guess what? As those who minister in God's kingdom, we make mistakes. We do some, you know, and, and the disciples have been with Jesus for three years. And now what are they doing? They're standing at the door. They're, they're the bouncers, you know. And they're saying, Jesus is too important and too busy for us, for you parents to be bringing these children and it says that basically they're rebuking the parents. And you can imagine the parents are a little frustrated, wouldn't you be? I mean, the whole point is these parents have trusted that Jesus Christ is truly the Savior. They, it says in John chapter 11, the, really close to this event, that the parents, that many were coming to Jesus and many were believing on Jesus. And so those parents, because they were believing in Jesus, what do you think they wanted to do? They want to bring their kids to Jesus. They want Jesus to touch them, to bless them. And that was very common in that society for a, for a, a rabbi to bless the children. And so they're bringing these children. And so, and they are somewhat frustrated because think about it. They think that they know what the kingdom is all about. And for some reason, they think that Jesus is only going to be working with and thinking about and interested in people that have importance. But think about it. What does a child bring? A child is totally helpless, isn't, aren't they? They don't have any rank. They don't have a long resume except dirty diapers, uh, a lot of bottles, <laughs> crying. Uh, uh, the parents have sleepless nights. Uh, I mean, there's all these things that you think about, about children. They, they, they bring nothing 
of value from a worldly standpoint, from a worldly standpoint. Now, I'm not talking about God's standpoint because Jesus thinks differently about kids, right? Because as they bring these kids, the disciples, they're rebuking the parents and they're, like I said, they're, they're kind of operating kind of as the doorkeepers of the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, now look, you misunderstand what the kingdom's about. The kingdom is not, salvation is not just for important people with rank and position and riches and long resumes. The kingdom of God is for those who come as helpless, as needy, as people who, who cry out uh, out of that need. And what do babies do? Are they needy? Aaron, are they <laughs> Babies are needy. I mean, think about it. Sometimes you forget what the child looks like because you spend so much time at the other end, right? You know, you're cleaning, you're, you know, changing diapers, and you wish that you'd bought, you know, stock in a diaper company like Pampers or Loves or something. I mean, because you just spend so much time taking care of these little children. They're totally helpless. You know, you don't expect your two-year-old to get up in the morning and say, you know, uh, uh, Charles, uh, I mean, or they say, Daddy and, and Mommy, I, I'm thinking that I'm, I need to just take care of myself. Now, wouldn't that be great? Except for the problem is they can't. You know, they don't have the ability to do that. They don't have the means to do that. They can say, well, you know, I, I'm packing my bags. I'm leaving. I'm going to take care of myself. I think that it's too hard for you, Mom, Mom you and Dad, to have to take care of me. No. You go like, no, you can't do that. You don't have a job. You don't have a place to live. You don't have clothes to wear. You know, we provide everything for you. You know, what does a child do? Well, I don't want you to do that anymore. They just accept it, right? They just receive what you provide. Jesus is the king of the kingdom who provides salvation to everyone who comes, right? But who comes? Who comes to Jesus unless they have a need? See? You, you little, you're going to start getting this connection here even more so as we go through this text. Because notice what Jesus' response is, though. They rebuke the parents. Guess who Jesus rebukes? He tells them right there in verse 16, but Jesus called them to, to him. He's talking to the disciples. Would you guys come here a second? We need to talk. I mean, they've been with Jesus. They've heard him teach the Sermon on the Mount about the kingdom of God. They've heard him do miracles. They've seen him uh, touch people. In fact, if you looked at Luke, Luke 15 through 17 right there, uh, Jesus, it says, is a friend of sinners, tax collectors and sinners, people that don't have very impressive records. Uh, Jesus is the, is the friend of the woman who is the widow who comes praying and earnestly seeking uh, for the unjust judge to help her. Jesus is seen there with the, with the Pharisee and the tax collector. And what's the tax collector doing in the temple? The Pharisee's praying, you know, Lord, I thank you that you got me. Uh, you know, I, I tithe, I, you know, I, you know, I give, you know, I pray, uh, and uh, I fast twice a week, and I do all these things for you, God. And uh, are you impressed? And it says the tax collector does what? Be merciful to me, a sinner. Helpless. Brings nothing to Jesus. And just cries out, be merciful. And what happens? God says, 
that man goes home justified. Now, that's the gospel. And you say, but, but it's too simple. That's the point Jesus is making here. He's not saying that you and I have to become children. He's saying that, but we do have to have, spiritually, we are children. We are in total need of salvation. And only he can provide that. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't impress God with it. In fact, you insult God if you think that you can work your way into the kingdom of God. So Jesus is training his disciples to be those kinds of disciples in the church. And they're getting it wrong. And you're going like, how could they get it wrong? So he brings them here and he says, permit the little children or let the children come to me, permit them, and do not hinder them. In other words, don't put a stumbling block in front of them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is basically saying, look, you guys have missed the whole point about what it means to be qualified to be in the kingdom of God. Yeah, isn't it easy? I mean, you know, think about it. After you've been a Christian for a while, we think we're pretty mature, right? I mean, I... I could, I've been a Christian for 50, over 50-some years, since I was 10 years old. At least, at least, I think I was a Christian, actually, before. I, never, I can't remember never being in church. Now you say, well, you know, that's... But I do remember when I was 10 years old, publicly confessing my faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of my sin. But as I've grown as a Christian, I realize the more I've grown that sometimes I become more self-sufficient rather than more dependent upon God. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us spiritually we are like children. And so Jesus is basically trying to, he tells that he's basically rebuking the disciples here and saying, you know, don't put a stumbling block in front of these young children and don't put a stumbling block in front of these parents that are bringing their children to, to hear Jesus speak and to pray for them because he's basically telling them you don't even understand the gospel at this point. And that's kind of scary, right? They don't understand the gospel. They don't understand that, that that's what it means to bring your children. I, um, you know, it was a, a sad occasion. A few weeks ago, there was a, a mother who uh, had her baby. They told her that the baby wouldn't la- live long. And she, uh, the baby, this little girl lived 19 minutes. But she held that little baby for 19 minutes before the baby stopped breathing. And as I thought about what can I say to this young girl, I'd been her pastor for 20 years. And so I just sent a little note to her. I said, you know, you've been bringing this little child to Jesus. Every Every time you read the scriptures to this little child, this little child heard you in your womb. This little child, every time you were praying for this little girl, you were bringing that child to Jesus. For Jesus' blessing. Every time that you brought this child to church or to Sunday school, you were bringing this child to Jesus. I said, so don't think that just because you only held this child for 19 minutes and how sad that is, think about it. This child is going to to be with Jesus forever. even, Even in the midst of that sorrow, there was a certain amount of joy in knowing that this child, though only spent 19 minutes in this world, will spend eternity with God. Not because this child had anything, you know, you say, well, but, but why, why would God do this? Why would God allow this? We don't know. But we do know this, that this mother 
I wanted to encourage her to say, you know, but you were bringing, the, every time, think about it, when, when um, Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist, you remember, it says when Mary came in, what happened to that infant? The baby leaped in her womb. Now, what does that tell you about uh, a child in, in, the, in the mother's womb? It's a child. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, John the Baptist, it says, was, was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. How did that happen? Well, Jesus saves us wherever he wants to save us, right? He saved John in the, in the womb of the mother. I mean, her mother, Elizabeth, was, you know, Zacharias and Elizabeth, godly, godly parents. So, and it uses even the same word here Jesus uses of infants. It's using that John was an infant in the mother's womb, Elizabeth's womb. So these parents are doing something that's countercultural in living in this culture, right? I mean, think about it. If you went to ask people, well, how should I, what, should, what should we do in raising this child? They'd say, well, make sure you get them involved in this event and that event and make sure that they're, you know, all these things you're doing for them. But I, I doubt if you'll hear the world say, but make sure that this child is brought up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They're not going to say that. They're not going to say, well, make sure you read the scriptures to this child. They're not going to say that. Make sure that you pray with your child. They're not going to say that because why? That's not important to the world. But it is to Jesus. He says, if you don't, you hinder your child. That you bring them to Jesus even by your example, by what you're doing. And the irony of this is that, you know, look, if, if we don't understand that, we don't understand that that's what grace looks like, we probably won't be grace, showing grace to other people. So that's what the application here. So Jesus is, he rebukes the disciples, and notice verse 17, he turns to the crowd. Basically, you could almost say that he, he's talking to the disciples, now he turns to the crowd, and he says truly, or amen is the word truly. Amen. Listen to this. This is really important. Get this. I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I mean, think about uh, what Jesus is just saying. He's saying that in order for us to come as believers, as people who are children of God, as people who experience God's grace and mercy, he says you come as a child. Not, not, a, not, he's not saying childish. He's just saying you come just trusting God and everything God says. I mean, think of a child. You tell a child something, what do they automatically do? They believe you, right? I mean, until maybe they grow up a little bit more and they start questioning your parents. But, but usually as the child is in those early stages, what you tell the child, they believe. And uh, the first time you fail your child, they'll look at you like, I can't believe you did that. And you know what you have to tell that child? I'm a sinner saved by grace, and I'm going I'm to fail. There's one person that doesn't, though, and you point them back to Jesus, right? Because even as parents or grandparents, we fail. But, they, but a child, Jesus is saying, accepts what God provides for them. It's interesting, as you read Luke, if you, as you read through the Gospels especially, but Luke especially, he always is contrasting things. So he contrasts being a little child with what? The rich young ruler, next, next, the next example. Now what does the rich young ruler do? The rich young ruler runs to Jesus 
And, and the disciples are scratching their head by this time because he's saying, what must I do to get into the kingdom of God? You know what Jesus should have said? Because he said, what, what else should I do? I've done everything. I, I, I've got riches. I, I've, got, I've got possessions. I've got a great resume. There's nothing that I haven't done, but what do I still lack? And Jesus should have just said everything. Right? Well, if you've done all that, he says, well, what else can I put in my resume? And Jesus says, well, you, well the one thing you don't have is salvation. If you could save yourself by your good works, by the way, Jesus didn't have to die, right? The whole point of this, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful contrast. It's like you read this passage about the children and the disciples are scratching their head. You know, we got it wrong again. And then when the guy comes, he says, what must I do to be saved? Just believe in Jesus. Come on in right now, right? No, because Jesus understood that that rich man was allowing his riches to define who he was, Right? I mean, one of, it's, it's just one of those things where sometimes we confuse what, who, who are we when we say that we've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? You know what we're saying to, to the world? It's really profound, but, we, but I didn't, the more I've thought about this this week, the more profound it even seems is that I'm a child of God. Right? Jesus, it says, he came into his own, his own received him not, but to those who believed on him, he made the adults of God. What did he make them? Children of God. And then 1 John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the adults of God, right? The children of God. And you know what John says there? It's really kind of interesting in the original. It says, and we are. We, we really are the children of God. And he's trying to say, get, let that get a hold of you. If I'm a child of God, who's responsible for my care? Ultimately. Now, I'm not saying that we don't go out and get a job. And I'm not saying we don't do that. I'm just saying. But ultimately, if I'm a child of God, which I am, through faith in Jesus Christ. It's, you know, we've received the spirit of adoption and the spirit says to us that we're children of God. And 1 John, I know Donnie's teaching on 1 John. I didn't get here this morning, but guess what? What's John call? Little children, little children, little children, little children. What's God trying to drill into us as older Christians? You're little children. What does that do for you and how you parent? Think about it. When your child comes to you, now, Atlas is too young to come to you and say, I've got this project I, uh, I need to get done tomorrow for class. Well, let's just say some, uh, some older children will say that to you, a parent, right? Well, when did you get the assignment? Well, six months ago. <laughs> and you're going like, and you're, really, you're ready to just kind of ring them out, right? Well, you just think it's going to do it on its own. Why, why, were you, why were you waiting? Now, as a parent, you're frustrated, right? But how should you react if you parent according to the gospel? Because most of us, now I'll say not all of us because I don't have a garage, but a lot of us have garages that are full of junk, right? Now, how long have we been planning to clean those garages out so we could park our cars in them? 
Well, it's probably been three or four years. We keep telling ourselves, yeah, I know I need to do that, but I'm frustrated every time I go in there. We procrastinate too. But we just don't have our children saying, you know, Dad, how long have you been trying to plan this? But what does the gospel do? It allows us to say, you know, I really struggle with procrastination too. And I'm asking God, I'm, I'm ask, I'm, I've been praying about this. I'm asking God to help me with this, with this problem I have. Because we're children too. We need grace too, just as we need to give grace to our kids. See, that's how, see, see, parenting, we make parenting like, okay, well, I have to do all these things to make sure a kid gets her. Well, well, one of the ways we do that is by showing them grace. The grace that we receive is the same grace that God wants us to show others. That's, that's the gospel. And that's what Jesus is trying to apply. He's just basically saying, don't get so proud and high and mighty that you don't think you have needs as a Christian. You and I are more needy as Christians than we really ever thought we are. I mean, what happens when you grow up? You think what? I want to be self-sufficient and I want to be autonomous. I don't want to need anybody. What happens after you get a certain age? <laughs> I hope the kids call because I need them to come over and <laughs> to help me trim the trees. I mean, and we become, we, all of a sudden we become needy again. But from Jesus' standpoint, we need grace every day. Why do we pray the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, what do we say? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us what? Our daily bread. bread. Now, what does that include? Our food, but also our spiritual needs. If you come to Jesus as needy and say, Lord, sometimes I don't know how to live this Christian life. Sometimes I get it all wrong. Sometimes I, 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 I get it in my mind that there are people that are worthy of the gospel and people that are unworthy of the gospel. And Jesus is saying, no, you're all unworthy because if you're unworthy, then you're needy. And that's how you come to Jesus. You don't come to Jesus thinking, Lord, I've just got it all together here. I mean, think about this man, this rich man ruler is coming to Jesus and he's basically saying, well, I've kept the commandments. Wrong, you're a liar. He says, I've kept them all. Jesus says, well, you haven't kept the last one. That was just to really kind of get down, get the dig in. And then basically he hadn't kept any of the others either because have you ever looked on a woman to lust after her? Well, if you have, you committed adultery in your heart. Uh, Have you ever hated a neighbor? That's like murder. You were unwilling to forgive? That's murder. At least spiritually. And, and, And so... The rich young ruler is totally wrong about all the commandments. He's broken all of them. And then the disciples are scratching their head and said, well, who can be saved? And Jesus says, that's the whole point. Nobody can be saved on their own. They have to have Jesus Christ dying on a cross. I mean, that's why the disciples are, 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 are arguing all, I mean, right up to the point when Jesus is crucified, they're still arguing about who's going to sit on the right and left hand of God. And you're going like they don't get it. Because if Jesus, if we could save ourselves, Jesus would never have died on a cross. That's the whole point of the gospel. And that's the whole point. Every time Jesus, why, why all of a sudden you have these people who are the down and out, the nobodies, the people that don't have any great resumes of accomplishments. It doesn't mean that, that God only saves those, but it's just the point is, is that they realize that they have, not only do they have world's needs, they have spiritual needs. And um, 
God the Holy Spirit is the one that saves. So, so my, my, I have a few applications here. One is, are you a part of what God's doing or are you in the way of what God's doing? You have the gospel. We have the gospel. And what are we supposed to do with it? There are people that are needy. They might not look like it, but there's a lot of people wondering about, I mean, think about it. They're wondering, have I done enough so that when I look death in the face, I can say, I can stand before God and say, I'm saved. The only righteousness that God receives is the righteousness that he gives through Christ. And that's, that's the beauty of, of what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's kind of like, un, it's almost like he's, he, he, he's helping us to re-understand or to understand who we really are before a holy and a righteous God. And then secondly, has your reception of grace made you a person who is gracious? I mean, think about, as a parent, you need to be gracious. Why? Because you receive grace every day. As a Christian, I need to be gracious with the people I work with. I need to be gracious with my neighbors. They need to see grace operating in my life. I'm not, you know, I've not arrived. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I don't, I'm not the bouncer for Jesus, you know. Uh, I come as a needy pastor or a needy Christian. I come, as a, I come as a needy individual every day. Why? Because I need what the gospel offers. I need God's wisdom God's grace, God's forgiveness. And then thirdly, has your reception of God's undeserved love made you a person who loves other people unconditionally? That's what God does in the gospel. He loves you unconditionally, just as you are without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Now, so Jesus is not saying become childish, but what is he saying? But when you spiritually, as you come before God, you come just like that little child, and you come as needy as that little child is needy. For its physical existence, you need Jesus for your spiritual existence. And remember, you're a child of God. Your identity. Think about it. If, we, if, if you walk out of here and you say, you know, today, it just, it just hit me even, I guess, stronger this week. I'm a child of God. I'm actually a child who really is really deeply in need of everything that Jesus says he'll provide in the gospel. And I can cry out as a little child to my father in heaven who says he'll provide everything that I need according to his riches and glory. Now, you notice Jesus' response to disciples, when who can be saved? Jesus says, with God, all things are possible, right? He says, you, you know, they said, well, well, then who can be saved? Well, Jesus said, well, with me, it's possible because he saves needy people. I like this last verse that uh, Matthew 11, all these people were rejecting Jesus. And in verse 25, Jesus prays to his Father in heaven. He says, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent, the people that have it all together, and have revealed them unto babes infants think about it think about the gospel and where God places us but you know that's kind of neat too because guess what he's taking the responsibility for your spiritual 
eternal well-being. And he calls you babes and infants. And he says, come to me, all ye who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I know it's sometimes, Father, just we look at it, we read it, we think we know it. But in reality, Lord, we come as little children. But we don't just come to a children with a, a nagging father, a father who doesn't love us, but we come to a father who is rich in mercy and grace and who's ready, Father, for us to jump on your lap and to say, Lord, we're here again because we're needy. And so, Father, I pray that you would work a miracle in each of our hearts to cause us to grow in our neediness, Father, because that's what qualifies us for the kingdom, our neediness of your grace, which is sufficient to supply every need that we have according to your riches and glory in Christ. And for this, we give you thanks in Jesus' name.